0: Would say you should apologize um they're not sobs they're smart thoughtful guys they really are they've seen things that are unimaginable in some cases <laughs> and they want exactly what the president wants they want a better america right. their version of how to get there is different than the president's i understand that but i guarantee you if the president invited I can make a list of 10 guys to the White House and heard their stories and heard their thoughts and heard how concerned they are about America, that they would find a common ground and they would move this forward. Um, and I think an apology for the SOB comment right off the top would go a long way.
1: Will it ever go back to normal? Mm. Maybe it's just, Maybe it's just my age. I want things to go back to normal. Mm. I suppose it's quite possible you're listening right now and you're very happy that People are trying to shake things up and change things. So.
2: Yeah, that's true. There is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, tipping over the tables in Washington, D.C., as a guy put it on 60 Minutes last night during that fascinating session uh, orchestrated by Oprah. Oprah Winfrey, new 60 Minutes correspondent for oh, the 15th boy. season. mm uh, and we'll talk about that. People yelling at each other. I'm telling you what. So uh, everybody's angry, divided. The NFL players standing up, sitting down, linking arms, not coming out, etc. For the national anthem. The president stepping into the middle of it. Look, look, Donald Trump is the id. He is the id president. He is the unrestrained shouting what he thinks and often what you think president. I don't think that's the greatest idea for a president. A lot of people disagree. They've had enough of the status quo, the powers that be, and they love it. I, just, I don't know. I just don't know. Uh, sometimes I agree with him, and I think he had no business saying it. Well, he's got the POTUS.
1: He's got, at least as of Friday, the latest polls. He had easily had the majority on his side for players should stand during the National Anthem. It's like 60-40. Right. So right. Um, oh, yeah. he uh, he was on the right side of the issue politically, if that's what you care about. Um He probably didn't handle it in a way that made it uh, less divisive, though.
2: See, that's the thing. I think now people are angrier at each other and more prone to yelling and not finding common. We can't even come together now and watch football. Black folks and white folks getting drunk in the parking lot, then yelling for teams that wear the designated laundry of our city. And we'll switch laundry next year and play for the other team, and we'll yell for the guys currently wearing our laundry. It actually is unifying. It's fun. We all come together. And now I think my Trump, my Trump, my lovely mouthy Trump. (laughs) My Trump. My Trump. (laughs) Has made it less likely we can do that, and I kind of resent it, even though I agree with him. Yeah. On, on on some of it. The number of t- t- texts
1: we've gotten this morning from people who say they're no, no longer going to watch, I'm a season ticket holder, I'm never going I've this year, blah, 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 blah. I've blah. seriously had enough. And uh, I don't know if they're uh, on one side of the issue or not or just don't want any of it. I don't want any of it. As we've said many times, I don't want people in my concerts giving political speeches. I don't want to tune into football and think about any of this stuff. But. Yeah.
2: So, uh... That's your white privilege. Could be. just thought I'd throw that in. Could be. No, it's not. No, it's not. I just want entertainment. There are are a dozen ways I can think of to express your unhappiness with whatever and and not turn all entertainment political. Not only political, but like angry, divisive political. If somebody was arguing over the subtleties of, I don't know, tariffs or... You know, should the income tax rate be 17% or 19%? Okay, you want to discuss that? That's fine. You know, I just, I believe that, you know, government services can, well, I, I respectfully disagree. That's fine. But it's also angry. Sean, you want to say something? Well, because the candidates
3: you, that were discussing those nuances and subtleties on, on philosophies and political topics didn't win the election. They got crushed. The one who was fanning the flames of emotion and using Twitter of, you know, as as his... His, his pulpit, that's the guy who won. Right.
2: And in many ways, we mirror that sort of thing. So, for what it's worth, uh, somebody went to the trouble of watching all the videotape of all the sidelines of all the games yesterday, and it was roughly one in eight players who knelt or sat. Now the entire Pittsburgh Steelers team didn't come well almost the entire Pittsburgh Steelers team didn't come out of the locker room. They decided that it's all a distraction. We're gonna focus on football. And I thought we'll that talk was, more about that in a minute.
1: Yeah, I thought that was a pretty good idea. Best way to handle it. I believe the, well, the, the Seahawks
2: game was the same. Neither team came out. I, 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 Is that right? Yeah, the, I the Seahawks and Titans. I didn't realize that. That's what that. I would do if I was an owner. Um a lot of teams linked arms to show solidarity with each other or something. Um but I just I don't know. Yeah, here here's i'm I'm a selfish man. The president made football less fun for me. It was already teetering now I just can't go there at all. I think it made the various policy things I believe in it's going to be harder to pass. I think all this, this corrosive anger that we have at each other, that's not necessary. We absolutely, reasonable people, which is most of us, can talk about these things and come to common ground and realize, okay, I agree with you on that. We can work on this. I don't think we're ever going to agree on that, but I respect your opinion. That made that process harder, I think. So I kind of resent uh, my Trump for jumping in there, even though I agree with him a lot uh, on a lot of stuff.
1: All the senators yesterday that I think were probably pre-booked for the Sunday shows they would get on there to talk about the health care and whether they're going to vote yes or no or what could be tweaked to get their vote and they ended up having to answer the questions about kneeling for the for the uh, for the national anthem and they they all tried to dodge it or have it both ways. How maddening would that be? Yeah, I'm why? trying to get health passed or stop it from being passed. and I don't want to talk about this. I don't know. Go ask the president what he meant.
2: I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> don't drag me into this, which is the way I felt. I thought, I don't want to talk about this. So if there's one team that's dead to me forever, until Mike Tomlin leaves as their head coach, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. Not for what they did. So they were talking as a team how to deal with this. And... He said, look, y'all talk about it, figure it out. Whatever we're going to do, we're going to do as a team. And they decided as a team, by a slim majority, as it turns out, we're just going to stay in the locker room and we'll come out after Hmm. the National Anthem, we'll play a football game. I didn't realize they
1: voted. That's interesting.
2: Avoid the distractions. Yes, it, it was a vote. And again, it was a slim majority. It's worth pointing that out. So everybody stayed in the locker room except... Offensive tackle, Alejandro Villanueva, who happens to have earned a bronze star during his three tours in Afghanistan. And Mr. Villanueva, with all due respect to his teammates, wasn't going to do that. And he walked out to the end of the runway, he stepped onto the field, he held his hand over his heart, he saluted during the national anthem, and then he walked back into the locker room to join his team. Now... Alejandro Villanueva would be my favorite football player of all time for that alone. But listen to this contrast. Mike Tomlin, who is granted a football coach, and if you've ever known many football coaches, they don't know nothing about nothing except football. They may be some of the most, like, one-dimensional human beings on earth, football coaches, by and large. He is pissed off at Alejandro Villanueva, bronze star winner and Afghanistan vet, for going out and putting his hand over his heart during the national anthem. Like I said, I was looking for 100% participation. We we're going to be respectful of our football team, said Tomlin. I was looking for 100% participation. They discussed it for an appropriate length of time. Uh, they were not going to be disrespectful of the anthem, so they chose not to participate. Uh, bah, bah, bah. They weren't going to accept the words of uh, the president, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. Um, we all thought we were in tension with the same agreement, obviously, but I guess we weren't," said linebacker James Harrison. Well, so, s-
1: speaking of the, uh, I understand. You know, I disagree with you, but understand your position. Surely, people can understand his position on that, even if you disagree with him. You no, he think- broke
2: from the team. Team unity. And the coach is pissed, and James Harrison, who I think is a criminal, isn't he? Hasn't James Harrison been arrested several times? Somebody Google that. They're pissed. They didn't like it. So the Pittsburgh Steelers are dead to me. If the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost line up in the backfield for the Steelers, I still won't root for them.
1: I didn't know they had a vote on it. I thought it was just a management decision because I thought, man, what a great way to try to avoid the whole problem.
2: I think it's a reasonable decision.
1: Because I'm running a business, you see, where I'm trying to make money off of playing football, and I'd rather not be involved in this at all. Yeah. I want to go out in there and win as many games to make as much money as possible as someone who owns the team.
2: Right.
3: Right. Arrested in 2008.
2: For? Uh, dem-
3: Flag desecration.
2: Dem- <laughs> yes. No. Domestic violence. Yeah. I thought he was a, a bit of a wife beater, allegedly. Um. So six or seven or eight uh, NFL owners, I can't remember the name, put out statements uh, disagreeing with the president, telling him to shut his pie hole. Uh, A bunch of uh, NBA teams did the same. One uh, Oakland A baseball player knelt during his last game of the year, I guess. Catcher.
1: So where does that go now that you've had a baseball player do it? Does that catch on to where everybody's put into a position of if you're not kneeling, you're participating? Because unfortunately, apparently, at least at this point in the NFL, you don't get to say, I'm out. You're either standing or you're kneeling. Right. And you're on a side if you do that. Right.
2: Yeah, the NBA will will have lots of people sitting and kneeling now. And see, the, again, my problem, and I'm going to anger everybody. I'm pissed off at everybody. The problem with the president now is now it's any chance of subtlety and, and discussion and talking about all right legitimate grievance, but you know we're honoring the idea of the flag and our aspirations blah 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 is out the window now it's uh, the patriots versus black people in the in the way in the way of a lot of people's thinking and, and the media loves that because it's conflict. So they're going to whip that up as much as they can. So, yeah, you're going to see it during the NBA season a lot. Oh, boy. Uh, LeBron James called the president. What do you call him? Well, a we got, um, we, a we a got those
1: clips. We'll play those clips for you. We ought to get into the LeBron James-Steph Curry part because they're big, big, big stars. How yeah. did the president pivot to Steph Curry? I missed that pivot.
2: Uh, I was the, the visiting the White House.
1: Oh, that story. Got gotcha. you.
2: Well, and keep in mind, the president said uh, they got to change the rules back. Let them smash into each other's heads. Which was uh, an interesting NFL? point of view, yes.
1: Yeah, I saw that part, that it's, you know, they've softened it too much. That's just, I don't know. I don't know.
2: What. Just whipping up the crowd.
1: Yeah, that's true. Taking it old school. People went crazy. Yeah. Uh, stay tuned. Our text line, 415-295-KFTC. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.
3: Because this guy that we've um, put in charge... Has, t- has tried to divide us once again.
2: I don't know, you know, why he feels the need to target certain individuals, other than, you know, rather than others. I have an idea of why, but uh, oh. it's just kind of beneath, I think, a, a leader of a country to to go that route.
1: That's LeBron James and Steph Curry. What's Steph Curry in, uh, hinting at
2: there?
3: Racism. Yeah, yeah, racism, sexism. He Trump picks fights with opinionated women and people of color, but gives. White oh, gotcha. people holding Nazi flags—the mm. benefit of the doubt.
1: Mm. Mm. He's been tough on mm. Asians. Mm. What Asian? is Fathead. He oh, fathead that's true. Kim Jong Un. <laughs> that's true. Yes, he is tough, tough on at least that particular Asian. Yeah. Well, he falls into the non-white category. He his um uh, well play the short ver the, the version of the the you son of a bitch that then that includes the second you're fired. <laughs> oh, <we're>, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like exactly yeah.
1: if he really brings it for the second. Wouldn't you love to
0: see one of these NFL owners when somebody disrespects our flag? To say, get that son of a bitch off the
1: field right now. Out. He's fired. He's fired. You know, he... Um, <laughs> God, he's got to love that. When he hits those applause <laughs> lines and the crowd goes crazy. Lives for him. Uh, but he, he, does, he doesn't bring that kind of passion against the you know David Duke. He just doesn't. I don't think Trump's a racist. I think he plays the race card the way he sees the country.
2: Um, which is as in rich since the day he was born Manhattan liberal. Yeah.
1: that That's the way he views the people. He was where he was He Alabama. Is that where he was? Yes. The way he views the people of Alabama. How do how do most New Yorkers feel about Alabama
2: inbred backward, toothless hicks. racist idiots, racist idiots.
1: I wonder if I wonder, I'm just axing. Yeah. I wonder if that's what he thinks when he's, when he's walking into that arena. If he thinks I'm talking to a bunch of racist dick idiots. I, I, based on my knowledge of you know lifetime New Yorkers, I'd be be pretty surprising if he doesn't feel that way.
2: Mm. So one more note on my hero, my new hero, Alejandro Villanueva, uh, Villanueva of the Pittsburgh Steelers, who, when his team voted to stay in the locker room, he three tours in Afghanistan, Bronze Star, came out on the field, put his hand over his heart during the anthem. God bless you, my friend. But he, the reason I think he's the greatest man in America is here's what he said about the controversy. And listen, I agree with Trump's policy three quarters of the time. Trump fans, I really do. But contrast this to what Trump said. Villanueva says he was talking about Kaepernick, Neil, and he said that really may send the wrong message. I don't know if it's the most effective way to sit down during the national anthem in a country that's providing you freedom, providing you $16 million a year, when there are black minorities that are dying in Iraq and Afghanistan for less than $20,000 a year. I will be the first to hold hands with Colin Kaepernick and do something about the way minorities are being treated in the United States, the injustice that is happening with police brutality, the justice system, inequalities in pay. You can't do it by looking the other way from people that are trying to protect our freedom and our country.
1: Yeah, Rand Paul said yesterday on... Mm -hmm. uh, one of the talk shows, he, he explained why he thought everyone should stand for the national anthem. I thought if Trump had said what you just
2: said, everything would probably be fine. Right, right. Then you got Derek Wolf of the Denver Broncos. I stand because I respect the men who died in real battle, so I have the freedom to battle on the field. But everyone these days likes to find a reason to protest, and that's their right.
1: Where, uh, big picture, how does this turn out politically for Trump? Because he does have majority support on the players should stand. Yes. He you know, he presented it in a uh, not particularly healing way over the weekend and continues to today. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think it's a win. I think it's a political win. You may hate that. I or you may love it. I don't know. I don't know which.
2: Uh, we did a poll. It was 50-50 for our listeners. I think the people who voted for him will definitely vote for him again or would like to. I think he may lose some rolling the dice unhappy Democrats, like Michigan Democrats, Mm. who have been voting Democrat their whole life, but have realized the Democrat Party just gives them lip service and won't do anything for them.
1: Then big picture, what's it do to the NFL? I think the ratings are going to tank.
2: I I think there will be a big time organized boycott. I don't think you will hear about it by this afternoon. Maybe it's already started. You might be right. I don't think there needs to be. I don't think there
1: needs to be. I think it's just going to happen. They're already down double digits two years in a row, and I think they're going to tank. Boy, there's an awful lot of Trump supporters that fill NFL stands and watch NFL games.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely true.
1: There are a lot of NFL owners who supported his campaign and donated millions of dollars to (laughs) it and
3: now hear him saying, trying to organize boycotts. I'm interested to see how that kind of plays out.
1: Yeah, I think the NFL owners are thinking, oh, my God, (laughs) we got a lot of Trump fans... what? But we have the I got the players who are going to revolt. They're in a they're in, they're in a rough
2: situation. Well, and Trump owned a USFL team and tr- has tried to own an NFL team, so he's a football guy. Now here's the NFL. Here's why the NFL is terrified and why they hated Trump doing what he did. It's a it's a league that's three quarters. The players are literally three quarters black guys. And Do you ticket mean three buyers three
1: quarters of the players are black? <laughs> the the players themselves aren't three quarters black.
2: I don't I don't <laughs> brand people like that, Jack. The left does. The left always wants to know, are you black enough? I don't care. Yeah, three quarters of the players are of African American descent. And three quarters of the ticket buyers are white people. And they're terrified of this becoming a race thing. And now I think it to a large extent it is. And it's a respect for the flag thing. Yeah, you don't sp- even need the race thing. The, uh, just the, the flag thing would be enough. Yeah. And again, if it was over like a 4% argument over the top uh, uh, marginal income tax rate, that'd be fine. But these are screaming at each other. Uh, emotion, f- uh, emotionally laden, logic free discussions usually, which is the worst sort of discussions. If you need to like keep a, a truce,
1: I'm guessing the ratings will be uh, down as they have been all year long. But yeah, but a lot of people tuned in yesterday to see what would happen next week. What's it going to be next week?
2: I'm out. I'm telling you that faux show. Sure. I'm out of the NFL.
1: So we've got a reporter who is actually in North Korea recently. Just like last week or the week before, from the Wall Street Journal, we're going to talk documents. Yeah, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yes. yeah. They weren't beaten into a concussion and then died, so that's cool. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, the FBI reporting violent crime up again in the U.S. Yeah, that's not good. The GOP throwing more money at the
0: Republican plan to repeal and replace Obamacare. We'll see how that goes. And Walmart's bold new plan to deliver your groceries coming up minutes from now. Armstrong and Getty. Awesome,
1: good stuff on the Let's way on the Armstrong and Getty show. I didn't realize the Dallas Cowboys are on Monday Night Football in Dallas. Jerry Jones has been pretty strong on the whole you got to stand for the National Anthem thing.
2: There are rumors that he will fire anybody who doesn't stand for the Anthem. That'll be exciting. Boy, they could get big ratings for that. Uh, That Other than that, I won't watch any football.
1: That might get me to tune into the NFL, which I haven't
2: watched a second of other
1: than the Super Bowl for two years. Well,
2: it'll get you to tune into the pregame. Then the minute it's kicked off, I'm out. Yeah. Fascinating. All right, we're going to try to break early. We've got a great guest coming up, journalist who is just in North Korea. Awesome. News now with
0: Marshall Phillips. Now we get a new FBI report. Violent crime on the rise in the U.S. CBS... Oh, pro- I hate that. I
2: knew it was going to happen, but I hate it. Skyrocketing property crime in California in the wake of the passage of Prop 47, which decriminalized crime. More on that to come. CBS reporter Vicki Barker.
3: Attorney General Jeff Sessions has attracted some criticism in recent weeks for asserting that the 2015 increase in violent crime was not some short-lived statistical blip. Now, new FBI figures show that violent crime rose again in the in 2016 up 4.1 percent with murder and non-negligent manslaughter up eight point six percent
2: god dang it non-negligent manslaughter is that like carefully put together really efficient manslaughter? yeah
1: yeah I meant to kill you and I killed right. you efficiently um uh, not not enough conversation about this god dang it we should we should be talking about this regularly why is this happening what caused this how do we stop it oh
0: Sweetening the pot. Republicans are adding over $14 billion to the latest health care bill, including money for the states of dissenting GOP senators. They're sending more money to Arizona, Maine, and Alaska if the bill passes. It's a last-ditch effort to try and save the legislation and attempts to repeal and replace the uh, Obamacare uh, uh, law. This week's vote is seen as the Republicans' last chance to pass the bill before protections expire against a Democratic filibuster. I got
1: a nugget on that I learned from Lindsey Graham yesterday, a little bit later. I'm looking up at the television now and watching Dave Matthews and Stevie Wonder kneeling on stage at some big outdoor festival right. as the crowd goes wild there. All right. Oh, God dang it. This oh, is all boy. so tiring. Play football and sing your songs. I don't want to think about <laughs> any of this
0: other crap. Walmart wants to fill your fridge and cupboards even when you aren't at home. The world's biggest retailer is testing out a delivery program that will let customers use smart home technology to remotely open the door for delivery workers. Customers, so Walmart people are just going to rummage around my yes. house? And... Customers, customers can then link their phones to home security cameras and watch a live stream of somebody else putting away their groceries.
2: Sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Anyway, Walmart announced the delivery program late last week and is uh, testing it out now in Silicon
3: Valley. Hey,
2: cool. hey, yeah, this is Joe. I'm watching you. Do me a favor. Chop up that onion, would you? Yeah, put it in a sandwich bag. Thanks. No, cereal doesn't go in that cupboard.
3: It goes in that
1: cupboard. And the dog looks like he needs to go out.
3: Right. Let the dog
1: out, would you?
0: Just uh, look, you're going to open the door anyway. Open the back door, too. Yeah, let him out. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the voice of the West. Vacuums in the broom
1: closet. (laughs) Get busy. I read the column over the weekend in the Wall Street Journal, a couple of reporters who got to go to South, or North North Korea. Anybody can go to South Korea. Not very many people get to go to North Korea. And uh, I don't know if I've ever talked to anybody that's been to North Korea. So we're going to do that next. It's coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show.
0: And we can't have mad
1: men Out there,
0: shooting rockets all over the place. And by the way, Rocket Man should have been handled a long time ago. Little Rocket Man.
1: (laughs) Oh my God. Not sure that's helping. The crowd roaring for Rocket Man. Why? I don't know. <laughs> but I, I was fascinated. Came across this article in the Wall Street Journal over the weekend. A couple of reporters just got back from North Korea. Nobody goes to North
2: Korea an except ab- Dennis Rodman. An absolutely terrific uh, read. And one of the folks involved, Jonathan Cheng, is the sole bureau chief for the Wall Street Journal. He's currently uh, back stateside, but joins us now. Mr. Chang, how are you, sir? I'm great. Well, we appreciate you being with us. Uh, if there was, a, a, is there a single word, a thought, an emotion that summarizes your impressions of North Korea?
4: Well, it is a deeply strange place to be. Um, it's really not like anywhere else on the earth.
2: Uh, any in any particular way that the folks might understand? Is it quieter, more restrained, darker? In what way?
4: Well, it's definitely quieter, and um I think the thing that's most striking is um for someone like me, I read I write about North Korea a lot. you hear about the cult of personality um but it's another thing entirely to be in that world and everywhere you look, there are the faces of the Kims, and uh that's what people are talking about every day. they talk about it like um like you know this is what I did today and and it comes up so um, it's everywhere, and I'd say in that way it's definitely different from anywhere else you'll ever go. But on the other hand, it's not—you know—it's <laughs> not like another planet. Um, people still need to eat, people still go to sleep, and they wake up and they go to work and they live their lives. So it, it's strange because on the one hand it's more normal than you might think, and on the other hand it's it, it's less normal than you would think. <laughs> it's, it's it's really a mind-bending place.
1: I think you're uh, referring to almost exclusively, I believe, from reading the article, the big giant capital city that is a a gleaming city of three million people that they spent a lot of money on to try to make it look like they are a successful modern country. But from what I understand, you get right to the city limits and it's like you go back a thousand years, people with oxes.
4: Yeah, that's right. I've spoken to Chinese businessmen who do work there, and people sometimes compare North Korea to China in the 60s before the market reforms that have basically opened it up. But um, the one Chinese businessman I spoke to said, no, this isn't China in the 60s, this is China in the 20s. And in that respect, it really does look like a bit of a throwback. I mean, you don't see, um, you know, oxen, you know, pulling carts around in too many places anymore, but it's still a fact of life, and that's even on the outskirts of, yes, the wealthy capital.
2: So uh, I really want to talk about missiles and nuclear war and that sort of thing, but I'm fascinated by the cult of personality of the Kim family. You mentioned that somebody will describe what they're doing, uh, what they did today, and the Kim family will come up? It's just in every conversation?
4: Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, you go and visit this or that, they'll show you, oh, our great leader helped lay this subway track um, or we'll go to an eye hospital that they t- took us to and, and they said, well, Kim Jong-un came here and he told us that we should um, put, you know, change the logo of the hospital to add a second eye, eyelash or something like that. Or he'll say he chose the color for the interior. Why? Because it's more soothing for the eye. And so he's an expert in basically everything. He's an expert on interior design, on engineering with subway tunnels. He's an expert on on, on virtually everything. And it's a small enough country that the Kims have gotten around to almost every part of it. And everywhere he where he's ever sat, anywhere where he's ever been, uh, there's a sign above the door that says on such and such a date, this leader was here. We ate at a noodle restaurant that marked not only the first time the leader had been there, but the 50th time he had eaten there as well. So um, everything kind of revolves around this family.
1: That is wild. So I remember a 60 Minutes report about North Korea years ago where they showed uh, people directing traffic. At intersections where there was no traffic. And they would stand there in their uniform and you know put up the stop hand and then wave the cards through, and there were no cars around. And you mentioned uh, you guys uh, hanging out at a gas station for a long time and hardly seen any, any cars. Is that is that pretty much still the way it is there?
4: Yeah, although I will say that it has changed in recent years. There are far more cars on the road. I was there in 2013, actually, and I can say very anecdotally that there were certainly more vehicles on the road. Um there's even you know the beginnings of what you might call a traffic jam or traffic situations there it, it's obviously nothing like what you might find in a big city of the u.s but um look it, it's you know you need traffic before you can get a traffic jam so those traffic attendants do have work to do um and there are more cars but uh you're right we did stop by the gas stations because we saw trump's tweet while we were in country and we had to say well look if there are lines outside the gas stations let's go check out a couple of gas stations and you know, our handlers hadn't seen the tweet, so it wasn't like they were trying to suppress anything. But we drove around, and while we were driving, if we saw a gas station, we'd tell our driver, whoa, whoa stop, can we pull over here? And we did that, and hmm. we passed four in the afternoon, um, and we didn't see lines or much of any vehicles at any of the four gas stations we were at.
2: Virtually no traffic. Half of our listening audience is now researching how to emigrate to North Korea. Jonathan Cheng is on the line. He's the sole bureau chief for the Wall Street Journal with John Lyons. Wrote a fascinating piece over the weekend about their visit to North Korea. Hey, uh, the, the missile program, the current controversy with the U.S., the heightened tensions. I was struck by something in your article in particular that the missile program in acquiring nuclear arms is not an issue for the average North Koreans you talk to. Not one of uh, ten things they're thinking about. That's a huge source of, of national pride for them.
4: Right, it is because North Korea is a little country. It's got 25 million people, and uh, for the most part, Korea wasn't really on anyone's radar before the Korean War. And yet, you know, this little country has managed to not only defy the U.S., but think about all of its neighbors. It's got Japan, it's got China, it's got South Korea, it's got Russia, and the U.S., and none of these countries have been able to control north korea and they have found some way over the last 70 years to sort of thread the needle and continue to not only be a nuisance but to become more than a nuisance now i mean i don't know if anyone would disagree right now when if i say that they're the number one foreign policy challenge right now for president trump there's no bigger challenge on the planet and i'm not sure that uh, he's got a good plan that's how good they've sort of uh set it all up here i'm not praising them, certainly, but uh, they have managed to defy um, the world's biggest powers, and they've done it for seven decades now.
1: How much freedom did you have as you were touring around the capital of North Korea? Like, could you come out of your hotel and just walk the streets, or was there somebody always watching you, or how did that work?
4: Well, we were put up in a guest house on the outskirts of town. I mean, you really couldn't go anywhere. We tried to walk. They encouraged us. They said, oh yeah, walk around. And we tried to walk around, but you go one way, and there's a guard with a rifle and a dog and you go the other way and uh four soldiers marched past us with rifles and didn't say anything to us but we kind of got the message that we should probably go back inside so that's kind of how we uh yeah we the, uh, that was the extent of our wandering
1: were you scared at any point because we do have an american you know who was there just touring around and ended up being more or less beaten to death
4: well, I can tell you that all of us, uh, you know, we we all married and our wives and our parents and our uh, families were certainly concerned. But um, like I said, I had been there once before. I was the only one who had been there before. And um, in this case, they had invited us to the country. So our thought was you don't invite someone and then detain them unless we do something truly egregious. And so we take the regular sort of precautions. And because I, I think about North Korea almost, 24 hours a day for my day job. I'm well-versed in what people do when they get in trouble and how they get in trouble. And so we basically went in virtually without any digital devices, without any reading material. You just sort of go in there and you play by the rules. That's not a place where you want to mess around in any way.
1: Is there any litter? Are there any homeless?
4: No. You know, actually, I did see... It seemed like we saw maybe someone who might have been homeless, but um, that would, certainly would have been the exception to the rule. You don't see a lot of litter. Uh, we were chit-chatting about why that might be. I think you start with the fact that there's just not as much stuff there, so you're not going to get a lot of plastic goods and throw a wrapper here or there, um, so you get less of that. And then because the streets are already so pristine, I think if you walked by and the place was all dirty already, you might not think twice about throwing something on the street, but when it's already immaculate you don't throw something there and 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 i think the last point is if there is any litter there's going to be someone who picks it up but yes you're right the streets are sparkling you just it's it's it, it's clean
2: jonathan cheng of the wall street journal is online was recently in north korea uh, i know the regime denies the existence and denied the existence uh, to you of the gulags how many uh, people do reliable estimates say are in north korean political prisons
4: well, there are no reliable estimates. Um, how about wild guesses? The um, <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, most people put it in the tens of thousands, but it really ranges because, you know, it, it's not a very transparent country. The closest estimates have used satellite imagery, and you can kind of see the existence of these camps from the skies. But how many people are in there, your guess is as good as mine because they're not, uh, you know, in the open air. They're, they're, they're under a roof. So, so who really knows?
2: Any thoughts on the uh, solidity of the Kim regime at this point?
4: Well, that's been a constant, uh, you know, focus, and it has been for decades, and I don't think we're any the wiser. Um, You could point to any number of signs that say that the Kim regime is on its last legs, and you could point to equally as many indicators to say that this guy's going to be around for another 50 years. And we really don't know. And I don't think even he knows because there are so many factors at play. Certainly, if um, the U.S. were to launch a strike, that would change uh, calculations pretty quickly. Um, but it depends on whether you believe that the U.S. would really do that. And that's, that's not something I know either.
2: So, uh, listen, I'm, I'm, uh, Iran popped into my head. And I know that if you wander Iran You'll run into a hell of a lot of people who express, at the very least, curiosity about the United States or admiration or grumble. They wish the Ayatollahs would loosen up and we could have relations and fire up business, et cetera, et cetera. Did you run into any charitable sentiments about the U.S. or the West at all in North Korea?
4: Well, I think uh, – to answer your question directly, no. Um, I would say that if you talk to people on the streets, which we tried to do, but of course it was always intermediated by our handlers, I'd say that um, there was a bifurcation. You could say that there are people there who would um, speak ill of the U.S. as a country, but towards ordinary American citizens, they'd be quite warm. And, and, and so they're able to separate sort of the government or the state from the people Um, And the other thing I would say is that if there are people who have those thoughts, they're probably not in North Korea. There are now more than 30,000 North Koreans who have left the country. Many of them are settled in South Korea. Some are in the U.S., some are in other countries. But these are the ones who definitely harbored a lot of these sentiments um, and are now overseas. Um, Those who have stayed behind. Yeah, generally they know to fall in
2: line. Jonathan Chang, sole bureau chief for the Wall Street Journal, author, co-author of an absolutely fabulous piece that we'll post a link to at uh, our website. Jonathan, uh, great to, to talk to you. Thanks a million.
4: My pleasure.
1: Yeah, I thought it was interesting. So they, they, they saw President Trump's tweet that... Already long lines at the gas station due to the sanctions. They went to a gas station. They saw two cars in two hours. Mm. And then outside of town, nobody's gassing up because there are no gas stations and no cars. You don't put gas in an ox. (laughs) They had like 3.9% growth last year in North Korea. So I wish we could do that. So that's what happened to my ox. (laughs) You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.